here and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast where your favorite friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet hamster, your five dogs, your great, 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 great Aunt Geraldine. Anyways, I'm Courtney. I'm one of the librarians that you will be stumping. I am here with my co-host, Emily. And Hello. our favorite librarian behind the computer, Miss Jill. How are Hello. you guys doing? Doing good. Doing, doing good. well. Yeah. All right, friends. You may notice that we might sound a little bit different. We are trying to record our podcast in separate places. So we apologize for any um, audio problems. But uh, ladies... How how you been doing? What have you been watching on TV or listening to? I guess Jill listens to podcasts more than she watches TV. I have um, been watching something, though. We <gasps> have been watching The Book of Boba Fett. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Same. And it's amazing. So if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend. I love it. I love the coming out every week format. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, don't you kind of miss that? That, like, coming out every week kind of deal? I like that, too. I've been watching um, Dexter, which is already all out, because they had the new, um, it's not even, like, a season or something, like, the new Dexter, like, nowadays. Um, And I've never seen the whole thing of Dexter, uh, so I've been watching that. Nice. I... Yeah, I've been watching um, Criminal Minds, but I also am watching Boba Fett as well, since it comes out one episode at a time, whereas Criminal Minds is all on Netflix ready to go. But all right, let's dive into some questions. Jill, what's our first question? Our first question is from Gary from our Gaines branch, and Gary asked, does the moon's Earth, I'm sorry, I read that backwards. Does the Earth's moon have a name? All right. That is a great question from Gary, and I had the pleasure of looking up that information. Um, The short answer to this question is technically yes. Um, The name of Earth's moon is, well, moon, the moon. Um, And now you might be thinking, but we're so much more creative than that. Um, but you have to remember that our moon was the first moon that humans discovered. Um, so at the time, scientists didn't think that they needed like a general name for these celestial objects that you know orbit around planets. Um, they just we just had our moon. Um, and you know, also remember that people used to think all the planets in the solar system revolved around the Earth and that the Earth was flat. So knowledge is power, and as new evidence is discovered in science, we have to change how we think about things. So science didn't, scientists didn't discover that other planets also had moons until Galileo Galley discovered four moons orbiting around the planet Jupiter in 1610. And Jupiter, unlike Earth, has a whole lot of moons. Emily, how many moons do you think Jupiter has? Oh my gosh, I feel like this is something I've learned long ago. I don't know, four? Seven. Well, it has at least four, yes. (laughs) Um, Currently, Jupiter has 53 named moons and another 26 awaiting official names. So, total... Scientists believe that Jupiter has 79 moons. Wow. So 79. my answer would have been closer um, to correct if I had said 
47 and not 487. Yes. Ooh, it's a lot of moves. Y- yes, correct. It is. Like, I don't even think I have 79 cousins alive, oh. at least. Yeah. Um, And the largest of Jupiter's moon is Ganymede. I'm going to say this completely wrong. I don't even know. I should have looked up how to say this. But as we know, even when I do that, I forget what it is. But it's Ganymede. It's G-A-N-Y-M-E-D-E, which is also the largest moon or satellite in our solar system. It has a radius of 1,635 miles, which is about the distance from Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where we are located, to Yellowstone National Park. So that's about the same distance. Our moon, do you think our moon, our moon is obviously smaller. Emily, what do you think the radius of our moon might be? Oh man! Um, I'm putting you on the spot. I today. I know, and I literally have no idea. Like I don't even have like well, an inkling of how what the radius of it might be. So I'm excited fair. to find that's out. Fair. Well, the radius is 1,080 miles, which is about okay. a third of the radius of Earth. Um, going back to that Jupiter moon, the largest moon, I'm not going to try and say the name again. Um, that moon even has its own magnetic field and is currently the only moon that we know of that has one. And possibly an underground ocean, which we know that water on a planet means that there could be what? Life could be life on this moon um so and if you want to hear more about the universe we do have a podcast where we answer all sorts of questions about the universe so look for that on our podbean page or spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast but speaking of oceans our moon or the original moon the goat the og helps earth out quite a bit just by existing so it's not like a this annoying thing that exists it does help us out um, the moon's presence helps keep planet Earth from wobbling too much, and it helps moderate our climate. It controls the tides. Um, and if you want to know how it does these things, well, you can submit a question via kdl.org forward slash stump or shoot us an email at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org and we'll answer your question because I don't have the time to go into all those things, nor did I look up the answer to those parts of the question. I just looked up about the name. Um, The moon is also the only celestial object that humans have set foot on other than Earth as of recording this podcast, um, which is 2022. Um, So who knows? You know, maybe we're going to be on Mars when you're listening to this. They're working on it. Um, but as of now, the moon is the only, our moon, the moon, is the only other rock in space that we have set foot on. Um, but Which it can't wild. be home to can life. We just, can we take a moment and just like, wow, that's impressive. I am just wildly it is impressive. impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the moon, in case you were thinking, oh, maybe I'll just relocate there. Um, you can't. It doesn't have any water. And also their atmosphere isn't the strongest thing in the world. Well, I guess it's not in the world because it's on the moon, but it's not the strongest atmosphere. Um, But now back to the name of the moon, which was what the question was about. Um, The word moon actually comes from the old English word Mona, which is the name of, I think, like a generic female god. I couldn't find like a really concrete definition for what this is. 
Um, but that's where it comes from. Um, and the descriptions, yeah, they weren't very helpful that I found. And while the moon is called the moon, it does have a few names in a few different languages. So for example, in Latin or, and also in Spanish, um, the name of the moon is Luna, which is why the phases of the moon can be referred to as lunar phases. And that when the earth um, blocks light from reaching the moon via the sun, it's called a lunar eclipse. So it's referring to the moon. Um, Luna was the Roman goddess of the moon. And the Greek goddess of the moon had a different name. Her name was Selene. I think that's how you say it. There's a lot of E's in there, and I don't know which ones to pronounce and which ones are silent, um, which is a Greek word that comes from the word silas, which means brightness, um, which makes sense because the moon is a bright object. And we use that word um, as in the word that is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry. And the study of the moon uses that Greek word and it's called selenography and I might be completely mispronouncing those names so Gary the moon is the moon that is its name and we love it it's great it's beautiful we see it all the time it's fantastic but Jill do you yes. have a fact of the day to share I do with us? and you know we don't really discuss what we're going to talk about ahead of time. And I just love how much you talked about Jupiter because today my fact of the day is from the book, everything awesome about space and other galactic facts. And my fact is on the Jupiter page. So all those facts that you were talking about, the moons are right on this Jupiter page, but I won't, I won't pick that as my fact you've already shared. So Jupiter is the largest planet in the solar system. But did you know that it is more than two and a half times the mass of all of the other planets combined? So it's real big. Wow. And it spins faster than the other planets. So it's just like a massive spinning planet. Like just, wow, I I didn't know those things, Jill. (laughs) I didn't either. That's so wild because, well, when you think about it, Jupiter is called a gas giant. So, like, to me, gases don't, like, weigh as much as solids, but then it's a lot of it's frozen and stuff like that. Also on this fact page about Jupiter, it does talk about being a gas planet, so you actually can't walk on it, even if we were to go there. So we'll just have to go to Mars, maybe by 2028. We can go to the moon. We can go to their moon, that big moon. Yeah, yeah we, we could go to their water. moon. And I It'll wonder, too, time. like, it's interesting when they talk about, like, there's an underground, you said ocean, but, like, mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, oh, there's, like, this vast ocean under there, but I wonder if it's, like, you know, frozen or, like, bits and pieces or or whatnot. I, I think we should go. I think we should go there. I think so that right now. I can find out, yes. That'd be great. All right, let's do it. Well, let's answer another question instead. Sound good? Seems fair. Seems fair. I think I think that's more reasonable. <laughs> okay. Here's our next question from Matilda, age nine, at, from our Walker branch. Matilda asks, how far can a paper airplane fly? All right, Matilda, this is a great question because who doesn't like to fly paper airplanes? I They're one of the faves. I this. This will be a very interesting story I'm about to tell you because I tried to find information on it and I couldn't find anything. But some years ago, staff at KDL 
uh, participated in a paper airplane throwing contest. Um, and I don't remember who won or how far it was, but I do remember it was a lot of fun and everybody had a really great time making their paper airplanes because they're just fun to make and throw and try different designs and whatnot. Um, but I did find the information for the furthest paper airplane that has been thrown. According to the Guinness Book of World Records on February 26th, 2012, so 10 years ago in Sunnyvale, California, California, the furthest paper airplane was flown at 69.14 meters, which is about 226 feet and 10 inches. Um, it's about 4% of a mile. I was trying to think of like a good way to explain how far that is. It's darn far though for a paper airplane. Uh, this was achieved by two, two men, uh, Joe... I think it's a Yub and an aircraft designer, John M. Collins. Both, both of them are from the United States. Uh, the plane was made out of a single sheet of A4 paper, which is essentially like our regular printer paper. It's just a little bit narrower and a little bit longer. Um, and Joe was actually the one who flew the plane that um, John Collins designed. So as far as the furthest one, that's the the furthest one I found. Um, but I imagine there's kind of like endless possibilities. There's so many ways you can build a paper airplane that you could very well build one uh, that's that's longer, or flies longer, or stays in the air longer. Um, we've got also lots of books at KDL on how to build um, paper airplanes that you can check out. Um, so yeah, I I think that that record could be broke. Uh, could be broken and it's been 10 years so it probably should be broken at this point um so matilda go for it we've got your back we are very excited about it so on that note um i recently just listened to one of our favorite podcasts dear hank and john and in the episode they were talking about uh paper airplanes they were talking about how old paper airplanes were which is an interesting idea because airplanes i think the wright brothers flew was it, like 1903 so the concept of like what we think of airplanes have not been around that long but prior to that people were throwing essentially paper airplanes um but they came in like all different iterations so in the 1700s um they used paper to line the inside of silk for hot air balloons uh then leonardo <laughs> da vinci uh, used parchment paper to make his or what is that called or or something that like helicopter um <clears throat> device that he invented mm -hmm. the term aeroplane was actually first appeared in the 1890s which was like you know 13 years before the wright brothers um but then it wasn't until the 1950s that we got paper airplanes as we know them today uh before that again they were called paper darts so they kind of looked like paper airplanes um, but okay. they didn't necessarily have that word airplane just available to use. So they called them paper darts and they've been going strong ever since. So they're like, there's a lot of like history behind people folding things with paper and throwing them. <laughs> uh, a lot of people think that maybe, um, about 2000 years ago that, uh, in China, they were using papyrus to make paper airplanes, which would make sense because they, they were like the first innovators of paper, um, but yeah, it's a long and storied history, so which is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel cool. like paper darts is almost a better term than paper airplane, because that's yeah. how you throw them. You throw them like a dart. Right. And it kind of lands they... like a dart, if you're me at least. If you're me, they land <laughs> literally a foot in front of you, because I am 
horrible. I was not at KDL when this happened. At least I don't remember it happening while I was at KDL. Okay. Um, I am so bad at paper airplanes. I'm just not good. Yeah. Oftentimes they'll come back at me. Like they won't go very far, but then they'll like turn and come back at me. And I don't know. I don't know how to fix that fortune. Um, but yeah, I do think it's, you know, probably a record that could be, that could be beat. I feel like that's something that uh, one of our coworkers who works at the Caledonia branch, Miss Audrey, uh, would totally be up for trying to break that record. Yes. I wonder if there's something to the the like slightly different length and width of the paper they use, the A4 paper. Mm. Um, I don't know what, but maybe maybe there's something there. That would be very cool. They should some some branch should take this on for sure. What a fun question. Jill, what are you reading recently? Um, well, And how many hankies? No hankies today. No Zero hankies? hankies. Uh, this is not, man. no. But I, this is a book that I um, read in preparation to answer the next question we have. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Wow in the World, The How and Wow of the Human Body. And... I grabbed this book off the shelf to find out information about how hair grows for our next question. And this book is fantastic. Um, The chapters are short. You do not have to read it in order. If you're just interested in something in particular, you just turn to that and and read read that section. There's really great pictures. It's full of fun facts. Um, And then it, you know, gave me the information that I needed about how hair grows and then some. I'm really, I I love it. I think it's fascinating. Um, I really enjoy learning about the human body. That's not something, I I didn't take a lot of biology classes in school. Um, So being able to to look at this and and learn in a way that's interesting and fun and has funny pictures, I enjoyed it. I highly recommend that you put this book on hold and check it out. Awesome. Yeah, sounds great. Also, can I say that there is a flow chart in here labeled, should I pick it? Ooh. <laughs> Very we helpful a flow chart if like you're considering doing some picking, <laughs> whatever the picking it will be. Check the flow chart. I feel like the flow chart is probably no. Like, generally speaking, most picking is yeah. bad. Yeah. But Do I... any of them lead to yes? Um, yes, but it's mostly no. For example, is it a wedgie? Yes. Uh, pick it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's, is that's it a booger? Fair. Yes. No, don't pick it. <laughs> Get a Kleenex, friends. That's what tissues are for. All right, Jill. Well, that's a perfect way to lead into our next question, which is Indeed. what? Indeed. Our next question is from Lily, age seven, at our Wyoming branch. And the question is, how does hair grow? All right. Again, that's a great question because I don't think a lot of us think too much about how our hair grows. We just know that it will grow. And whenever you get a bad haircut, you're like, that's what I just keep reminding myself, like hair grows, hair grows, it'll grow out. Um, But anyways, for this answer, we have two book recommendations that you can check out from the library. So go to kdl.org and search these titles. Um, The first one is the book that Jill just talked about, which is wow in the world the how and wow of the human body and that's by mindy thomas um so you can search that 
It'll also be in our show notes. So if you can't write this down right now, you can always look back at the show notes and we'll have it right there for you. The other book is 100 Questions About the Human Body by Simon Abbott. Um, And bodies are so fascinating. Um, Hair grows in the layer of our skin under the layer we can see. So the layer of skin that you can see is the epidermis. That's the layer the hair pokes out of. And the layer underneath that is called the dermis. And inside of the dermis layer of skin, we have hair follicles. This is where hair is grown. Hair goes through three stages of growth. The first stage is called anagen. In this stage, blood flow increases at the base of the follicle, causing the hair to, well, grow. As the hair grows, it dies and produces a protein called keratin, which is what your hair is made of. So your hair is all protein. So, you know, if you're, if you're really hungry, no, don't, please don't, don't eat your hair. Um, don't do that. I definitely, <laughs> but, cause I always use weird way to, ways to remember things. I'm going to think of carrots. I'm going to think of carrots, then I'm going to think oh, of keratin carrots, and that's oh, how I'm going to remember this the rest of my life. Here, here we go. Here we go. Anyways, <laughs> Emily has some very interesting ways to remember I things do. as we have learned. Yeah. Um, but while the hair at the base of the follicle is alive, the hair shaft, which is what you see poking out of your skin, is dead or alive, Emily. It's dead. What do you think? It's dead. dead it's not alive. Darnail. Your hair is no longer alive. Um, and that's why it doesn't hurt to get your hair cut. Um. As we know, it may hurt your soul to get your hair cut. I don't know. You got to do you. But, um, you know, that's why it doesn't hurt when you cut your hair. It does hurt when you pull on your hair because it's still attached, you know, in your head. So it can hurt if you pull your hair. But um, let's see. I lost my place in Jill's fabulous notes. All right. While you're looking oh, for your spot, isn't it quirky that, like, we like as humans and probably like in the animal world in general, like we'll compliment each other on our dead growth. (laughs) The dead hair. And we care so much. Like, for example, like I just colored my hair and it's been a week now and I still am like, do I like it? Do I not like it? And I'm like, it's just dead protein living on my head. But anyways, this stage of antigen can last on your scalp from two to six years. Um, the antigen stage is much shorter on your arms, eyelashes, eyebrows, legs, and everywhere else that you have hair on your body, which is why those hairs don't grow as long. Like, can you imagine if your armpit hair or your nose hair grew <laughs> as fast and as long as the hair on your head? Well, then Just we also take a just minute have, to like, think about that. We also have like fine mm. hair other places, like our arms and stuff. Imagine if it, we just had like long fine hair growing from her arms i don't Ugh. like it at all i did it's not i'm not a fan of it um the next stage after antigen is called catagen um during this stage the blood stops flowing to that hair follicle and the strand detaches from the living follicle and pushes towards the surface of the skin the third and final stage is called the telogen, which is a dormant phase. The follicle remains dormant for one to four months. At the end of this phase, the hair is shed, and the follicle returns to the antigen phase to grow a new hair, which is why it is not, you should not be concerned if you lose hair. If you're losing a large amount pretty regularly, okay, talk to your doctor. But if you're, if hair comes off, like that is just the cycle that your hair goes through. I will say too, um, if you are stressed, sometimes um, 
you can get stuck. I don't remember which phase. It's the phase where before it starts growing again, where it's fallen out Mm -hmm. and stress can cause your hair to like stop growing for a little bit. Um, But then it'll grow back. Yeah. Yeah. Because bodies are wild. (laughs) Yeah. So um, your hair follicles are at different stages of growth at different times. So some of your hair is at that antigen stage, some of it is at the catagen stage, and some is in that telogen stage just waiting to fall out. Um, and unlike most mammals, humans don't have a specific shedding time of the year. We shed and regrow all the time. So like, for example, our dogs, they shed their winter coat in the springtime usually, so they shed a lot more. Minnie constantly sheds. So like, she sheds constantly there my carpet is basically always covered in like a light lining of black fur I have a very heavy duty lint roller that I roll on my bed to pick up her dog hair because Minnie is also convinced that my bed is her bed and she likes to lay on my pillows she's not wrong but she does like to lay on my pillows and get her hair on my pillows and that is not fun Jill is blessed with dogs that don't shed really because, Jill, what type of dogs do you have again? I have two cockapoos. They do not shed, but that does mean that they need haircuts just like we do. Mm-hmm. So they get those yeah. every six every six weeks or so. Yeah, Minnie doesn't get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, she gets bathed. She gets bathed, and she gets the deferminator, so it gets all of the hair that is falling off. Uh, Emily, your dogs shed a lot, too. All the time. All the darn time. They also get baths and the deferminator. I feel like it, I know it helps. I feel like it doesn't help, though. <laughs> like yeah, I don't think, I sad. don't think so. Yeah. yeah it is satisfying, it was like, it had, though, but. Yeah, they smell really nice, and yeah, for like a hot second, they're not constantly shedding, but they still shed. But now we're going to hit you with some fun hair facts. Are you ready, Emily? Ready. All right. Jill already knows these facts, so no spoilers. Um, let's see if you can guess any of them. Oh, How man, I'm so many? Bad at this. <laughs> I, I, we learned that last last question <laughs> that I answered. But how many hair follicles are humans born with? Hundreds of thousands. Five million. Because they're all wow. over. Oh, our this body. is all over our body. I was thinking all over on the our body. Head. Yeah, that okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, on the head, probably, like, a million, and then the five million are, like, spread out. I don't know. All right. How are hair follicles shaped? Do you know the answer? Um, like a little, like a little Q-tip at the end. Like a little, like, rounded, (laughs) (laughs) rounded buddy. So it's actually a trick question. They are shaped differently, and the shape of your hair follicle is what determines if your hair is straight, wavy, or curly, which is funny because we, I think, all have, like, we all have different types of hair. Like, I definitely have straight as a board hair. Jill has super curly hair. And Emily would probably be wavy because your hair isn't, like, straight right. like mine, but yeah. it's not curly like Jill's. So, so Emily, different follicles. Courtney's hair follicles are shaped like the Q-tip. Oh. And yours and mine are kind of, they're curled, just like a curl. So, you know, it's curling the hair as it comes oh, out. Oh, wow. That's... I'm going to have to pay more attention. I mean, like, is that what you see at the end, though? Like, when it comes out? No, because out? The, the, follicle the follicle lives in your head. You guys, yeah, I've been listening. That lives in your skin. The, yeah, that part. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. And where on our body do we not have any hair follicles? Our, t- our tongues. I mean, probably. <laughs> I'm not wrong. But, um, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. But uh, Jill has the answer as the palms of our oh, hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the soles, the soles of our, of our feet. feet. That one I did yeah, kind there's of. There's no, no follicles there. Um, and why do we have different hair colors? Which we all have different hair colors, too. So why? Does that have to do with, like, melanin? It gives us our other It colors. does! Um, there's melanin inside our hair follicles, and that determines what hair color we have. Um, as we get older, our follicles make less and less melanin, so our hair loses its colors. That's why you go gray. Um, and the last question is, which side of a human has the most hair? <laughs> Cash. Uh, oh, boy. The front? Mm. Depends on what she. The outside, the outside, inside. Wow, good one, good one, Jill. That was a good one, um, Jill. <laughs> uh, she does have in parentheses groan. Um, I'm not going to groan. <laughs> I, um, you can't see this, but I was rolling my eyes. Um, but thanks again, Lily, for this hair-raising question. That was a good one. I, I'll that give you that one. one. That was a good one. Um, well, I, that's three questions, friends. What did we learn? What was your favorite thing that we learned today, Emily? I like learning about hair. I like learning about the body. I just, again, bodies are wild and cool. What about you, Yeah, Joe? that was pretty interesting. Uh, my favorite thing I learned is that I can make Courtney tell bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and tell bad jokes well. So that's pretty oh. cool. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's a right. thing. That's a thing. For those of you that don't know, Jill answers a question, but I get to share it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say probably learning about, I think the hair follicle shape. Like if I had to pick a specific fact that we learned, I think that was interesting. Um, but it also makes sense like that we would have different shaped hair follicles because we have different styled hair. Which in case anybody wasn't clear on what a hair follicle is, it's the part that's in like your your scalp or whatnot, not the part that comes out at the end of the hair. <laughs> yeah, so. it does not, does not come out. It's, be- it's underneath the epidermis. Yes, yeah. Well, cool. This has been fun. I love answering these questions. Thank you all for your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. Um, for more info or to send your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in next episode where we will answer more of your questions. And as always, we want to give a huge and special thank you to the, well, the KDL Van Andel Library and Community Center all the time. We're not there today, but we thank them for getting to use their space all the time, as well as the KDL marketing team and J.D. Galinsky for our intro music. All right. Bye, friends. Bye.